this is Kelly Langston, and once again, this is God, Dreams, and Really Good Coffee. In fact, it is more than really good coffee, it's great coffee. So I am so glad that you're here, and I have a really encouraging message to talk to you today. It is about fire on the altar, and it's all about faith. When it seems like the battle is over and you have something that you are facing, whether it's a health issue or a job issue, a family issue, when it looks like things are not going the way you hoped and your prayers are not being answered and it looks like all hope is lost, then we have a decision to make. That's what this episode is about, fire on the altar, faith when things get hot. (laughs) So again, I'm Kelly Langston, and I am so glad that you are here. But first, let's talk about coffee, right? Because coffee is such a blessing. It is so important, (laughs) at least for me. I'm so thankful for some of these things that God has given, little things that mean so much. So today... I am drinking Bally Blue Moon. Doesn't that sound fancy? Makes you want to go somewhere on a tropical island with a cup of hot coffee. Bali Blue Moon is from Indonesia. And uh, again, uh, the company that I personally buy this from, not a promo, is Smoke and Beans Coffee. And we get the green unroasted beans and we roast them on our screen and porch. And it is delicious. It is, um, it says it's from Indonesia. I'm trying to read a little bit about it. In Indonesia, it said, lies a hidden jewel. (laughs) On the island of Bali, coffee tree varieties include bourbon and tipica. I don't have any clue what tipica is. Um, I know it does have that warm, earthy taste to it. So... That's what I'm drinking today. I don't know what you are drinking, but grab something right now, get comfy, and let's talk about fire on the altar, faith when things get hot. (laughs) Okay, so I know personally some of you out there are going through some, some hard times, and I get it totally, because hard times do come. I think it's wrong for people... To believe that once you become a Christian, a believer, everything is going to be pie in the sky and you'll have no problems. Well, I think God has promised us, Jesus in his word said, those trials will come, but I'm going to be with you. One of the things that I learned that when I was just studying some of these Christian truths, just a little backstory, I became a Christian when I was eight. But I had a long way to go before I was actually walking with the Lord and really learning about what that means. It was after college when I finally figured that out. After I bombed out in my uh, employment, in my love life, everything just bombed out. And you name it, my finances, it was pretty bad. Some of you actually might have remembered those days. I know I have a few listeners that were there <laughs> and saw it, but yeah, it was it was not that great. But God always gave us some laughter and some good friendship. That was always some blessing. There's always blessings. You know, He he's always there to get us through. I've been blessed with many good friends, 
I'm very thankful for that. But there were times that I also went through periods of great loneliness, and I'm not going to go into all that now, but I'm saying we go through trials. I want to tell you about one of the biggest trials in my life. It was something that seemed impossible, and I had no way to think that this was going to come out good whatsoever, and I'll tell you about it. Um, I don't know whether you know much about me, but I have a son, Alec. He is a great kid, but he was diagnosed with autism at about two and a half years old. And I remember those days. They were, we, we tried. He was a, what I would call, remember the term strong-willed child that was out there and people would write books about what to do if you have a strong-willed child. Well, I, I thought that was what I was dealing with. A lot of tantrums daily and uh, I could go on and on. Every little change was a problem with Alec. Getting him out of the car, he would throw a fit. Putting him in the car, he would throw a fit. And, you know, kicking, screaming, all that thing. I remember quite a few stink eyes that I would get from people in um, Target, for example, when he would be throwing a fit. And he threw loud. He was quite loud. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I, I just thought, man, I must be screwing this up majorly. And so Matt and I, we were reading some of the experts because they know best. And we were new parents, so not much experience under our belts. So we read up on all these techniques for what to do with a strong-willed child. And I remember some of them at the time would say, don't give them any leeway. You've got to establish really who's boss before they get too old. So we came together and we thought, this sounds good. These experts must know what they're doing. And hey, we we don't. So we're going to establish a really stringent policy of, of discipline when he has these tantrums. So we did that. We followed the advice of the experts and tried very hard whenever Alec would have a fit, which was pretty much many times a day. And we would put him in timeout, just that kind of thing, just really strong. And I watched my son and his little spirit got worse and worse and worse. None of this helped. Absolutely none. And we tried this for a while, weeks. None of this helped. And I saw myself change to once a not confident mom, but I thought it was fairly doable (laughs) being a mom, but I saw my spirit tank too. And I was at my wits end. And then one day that was both wonderful and terrible. I had my little son on the couch. She must've been all, he was about two and a half right then. And I just lost it in front of him. I just tears and, and just, wow, I was just so upset. And then God, it's almost, he gave me this gift of being able to see what was going on. And I looked at him and I saw, I saw this, this boy that did not know how to, he didn't know how to communicate with me. He was struggling with autism. It it has a communication uh, disability with it. And he was just lost trying to cope in a world that he did not understand. And I realized at that time, the experts did not know my son. Only God really knew my son. And I was going to do it God's way. And I grabbed him and I scooped him up and I took him to the bathroom. He was crying. I was crying. I kneeled down and and got my face right next to him. And I said, Alec, 
I'm coming to you. I'm going to come where to wherever you are, meet you where you are and pull you out. And that was the beginning of an entirely different story. Now, Alec now is 19. That was when he was two and a half. I want to tell you that's been many years and it was a long waiting period right after that happened. See, here's what is important. It looked like, and not only looked like I knew that God was going to meet us where we are. And I knew that I knew that I knew blind faith, faith on the altar, that although everything looked bad, I knew that God has a purpose for this child, my son. I knew that he had a purpose and he had a plan and that autism could never steal that from him. I knew it. That's what scripture says. So I began praying the word of God. Everything looked bad, but I began reading scripture and declaring, this is what you say about my son. This is what your word says, that you are um, incredibly made and you have a purpose and a plan that that is good. And I began praying those things. And I actually wrote Autism's Hidden Blessings based on that journey. I wrote it as I lived it. Every chapter is centered around a biblical promise that I would claim. So really, it's a good look at how we can use God's promises and apply them to our lives when things don't make sense. Now, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit. So we started that journey. So it looked like things were getting better. We did get that diagnosis. I knew what we were dealing with. So I knew it wasn't a strong-willed child. It was a boy that had autism. He was autistic. And so we knew a little bit of what we were dealing with, and we started that long, long road up the mountain. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I took Matt and I, we took Alec to a doctor. She was a neurologist. We had heard good things about her. I don't know. We took him to a neurologist, and I remember that was a really bad day. Alec was in a rare form. (laughs) I think he was under the table screaming at the time of the exam. And the doctor was polite, but she really didn't even try to give us any hope whatsoever. I was desperate to see something hopeful in this visit, to see a word from this doctor for my son. I asked her, will my son be able to marry? Will he have a job? And she almost laughed and said, he won't even know what a job means. And that just sucker punched me right in the gut. And I just remember like the bottom fell out, the floor fell out underneath me. And Matt and I left. All she had to offer us was drugs, basically. And we left. Now... This is why I want to tell this story to you because some of you are facing some really critical things out there. You may be struggling with employment or you might have a a health crisis. You might be looking for more security in your home life, your family life. You are in this place where things look desperate and you've been praying and you've been crying out to God, but it still looks bad. Maybe Maybe you've even gotten comfort that God is with you and you know it, that you know it, but then you get some other word, some other word from the world that it's worse than you think. 
that it's something else is wrong or, or maybe you shouldn't have had that hope after all. Maybe you're wrong and you start to doubt. Guys, I want to tell you, when God begins to work with you in a situation, when you cry out to him as the father who is a good father, I don't know what your father was like, but some of you have had these great, fantastic dads, but some of you haven't. But I want to tell you something. You have a good father in the Lord. He is a good God. And when his children cry to him, they cry out in desperation. He never fails to come. Now, it might not be as fast as you want it to to, uh, be resolved, whatever situation you're dealing with. But mark my word, he is going to meet you there and grab you by his righteous right arm and start making things better. He's going to take you into his promises and his will for your life, which we know according to scripture is good. For I know the promise I have for you. And God spoke these words when Israel was in a really bad place. They were in exile. But God said, don't look at the situation because I know the promises that I have and they are good to give you a future and a hope. That's God. That's the good father. So here is the heart of the message today. When you are faced with something impossible, look around We see that right now everywhere, impossible situations. That is the fire on the altar. That is when you have a decision to make. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust God and his promises and his word? Or are you going to trust what you see and what somebody tells you? Because I can tell you that you probably are going to face somebody that's a naysayer, a scoffer, that is going to tell you something that's really designed to cut your faith, to to diminish your faith. That's the whole goal. You know why? Because faith is powerful. So I'm going to go back to the story. I had that fire on the altar moment, my husband and I, and we had a choice. The choice was, do we believe what this doctor, this neurologist said about my son, that he would never do anything, basically, that he wouldn't even know what a job was. He was that uh, affected by autism. Or would we believe God's word that says, I have you, I know where you are. When you walk through the fire, I'm going to be with you. He promises that and so many other promises that I've written about when I wrote about this journey with autism. And we had that decision to make. There are times in our lives when God, critical times, when God puts us to that test. What are you going to do? And do you believe me? Do you really believe me? And it's a decision to make. I'm going to go into scripture now and tell you a little bit about the story of Elijah. I keep going back to this story because I think there's lessons to be learned about this time that we're in right now in the United States. It's a critical time. It's when everything looked really bad. And it's from 1 Kings 18, chapter 30. The real quick background is that Jezebel had brought all kinds of uh, worship, false worship, Baal worship, into Israel. She schmoozed up to Ahab, who should have been the kind of king that would listen to the Lord, but 
he fell for Jezebel. <laughs> Gee, that you could read about that in the tabloids today. <laughs> but anyway, so she bamboozled him and it probably happened subtly, started bringing in bear worship slowly, slowly. It got to the point where she was literally killing the prophets of God, killing them. It's little. It's like the frog, the frog and the hot water. You just do it little by little. And all of a sudden, you know, you're in a, a, a pot of boiling water. You didn't even notice it happened. Hey, guys, that's where we are right now. It just was subtle. Anyway, back to the story. So Elijah said, it's time for a showdown. So he brought the prophets of Baal. Now, listen, there were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah that Jezebel ate with the king's queen who was supposed to be, the king was supposed to be listening to God, our God. And yet she was bringing in all the prophets of Asherah, the false God, into the table that they ate at. Okay. So Elijah about had enough. One man, one man that wanted to see God's will done. So he called them up to Mount Carmel, all of them, and he called all of the people of Israel to come and watch this showdown. Now, can you imagine the kind of faith that took? Because (laughs) it had a lot of faith to be one man against all of them, but they all came and Elijah told the prophets of Baal to build an altar and then He was going to build an altar, but he also said something to the people in verse 21 of first Kings 18. He came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people were silent. If you're in a difficult situation right now, the world wants to get you to give up. Your God's not going to be there for you. I'm here to tell you that he is. (laughs) He is. And maybe this is your showdown. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the word of God? Or are you going to believe this false God? That's where Matt and I were a long time ago. Whose word? We had two different words. Do we believe the word of God? Or do we believe the word of this neurologist? We chose the word of God. Now, I wish I could tell you that it happened quickly. It didn't. (laughs) It took a long time. I remember it was like a daily thing and there were bad days and good days. Sometimes I remember thinking it was two steps forward, one step back. It seemed like it, it happened a lot. But I want to tell you that the lessons that God taught me during those years were astounding and they forever changed me. And my faith grew That's why I know that God is faithful to his word, because I'm telling you what, I didn't let go of God's word. I refused to let it go. I literally refused this word that this woman had over my son. I rejected it. We rejected it together. No, God has a will and a promise for my son, and we're going to see it. I don't care how long it takes. And guys, it took a long time. But it was a journey and God took our hand and he got us through. And I'm here to tell you that my son, God was with every step of the way and he is in college now. He has long had a job. (laughs) He started in high school serving up pizzas with uh, bricks 
uh, a local pizza place here. And he did great in mathematics. He went on and got a scholarship to college. And he even got the math award for the freshman year, the freshman with the, I guess, um, the math skills, whatever that means. (laughs) But so whose word did come through in the end? God's word did. So wherever you are, and it looks like things are not going the way that you want them to go, go into your scripture, get those Bible promises. There's, there are even books that you can get that are specific promises. You can just specifically pick a promise and you just take a day and you dwell in that promise and say it out loud. Pray it back to the Lord. Lord, you said this, and I'm going to choose to believe it. That's the showdown that Elijah was talking about. Who are you going to believe? That's the showdown. If you follow the rest of the story in 1 Kings 18, God showed up. God showed up. Though the prophets of Baal, they built their altar and they did their dance and they made a big show of how awesome and everything. I'm sure they danced around and did all kinds of things. And little Elijah, he took an altar that had been torn down, built it back, 12 stones. He took water and doused it all over the altar, built a trench in the water. He did it multiple times so that the water filled the trenches, totally wet. And he said, come near to me, to the people again. And he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And that I have done all of these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Guys, that's the whole thing. God wants to be known. He wants to be known in your trial. He wants to be known when things don't look like they're going to pull out for you. He wants to be known. And I am here to tell you in every trial over all the years of my life, Though they weren't easy sometimes, he has every single time been faithful. And there is not one promise that he ever broke, ever. So as I look at all these prayers that I pray for the nation, and it looks bad. And I remember, you know, sometimes I woke up the other morning and I'm like, wow, Lord, things just, the chaos and the confusion. And it just seems like everybody's just, going crazy. And one word, I caught one word in my spirit and it was Gideon. And if you know the story of Gideon, Gideon didn't believe in himself at all. (laughs) He was just one little man that was the least of the least he called himself. But the angel of the Lord showed up and said, greetings, mighty man of valor. See, God sees you as a mighty woman or man of valor, a fighter. You might not feel that way, but that's how God sees you. So again, what do you believe? Do you believe what you see or do you believe what God tells you? And Gideon had to go through a journey where God had to prove he was what God saw him. And the interesting thing is Gideon started out with the reason why I think God put this word Gideon in my spirit was that it started out Gideon's army was 32,000 and God kept whittling it away until it was 300 people. And God specifically said why he did this. Because if you have a lot of people, if it looks like all these people are with you, then I won't be glorified in the story. I want to be glorified so that many people will come to me. 
because he has the way, the truth, and the life. So in your story, in your trial, when it seems like everything's against you, this is your test. Who do you believe? I'm here to tell you that God's will is going to be done in your life. If you hold on to it, don't give it up. The enemy's going to come and tell you, give it up. This is over. You've lost. (laughs) It's not. Even financially, I remember during the Great Recession, uh, Matt had just started a company. He started in 2006, and then the recession hit. (laughs) And there were days when all of the work, it's in the development industry, all of his work dried up. They moved from an office to a garage. His He had two other partners and they had like one project that they worked on. And he would often fish in the, there was a little pond nearby and he would spend half the day fishing until he would come home at 3 p.m. because there wasn't anything to do. And our bills, I remember, we, you know, we had bills and it was scary. Uh, I had one prayer that we would not lose our house. We didn't. But I remember the look in his eyes when he would have no work. And this lasted for a few years, guys, as you know. We have the choice, but we would not let go. And we trusted God. And I'm here to tell you that God showed up in miraculous ways during that time. Miraculous ways. So don't give up. God is faithful. So to sum up, guys, if you're in one of those situations, and I know some of you are, this is the time of your decision. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust what the world says? I'll give up. It's too much for you. Maybe God doesn't love you. (laughs) That's a hard one, isn't it? But the world will tell you that sometimes. But you say, no, I know that my father is a good father and that every promise is good. Get yourself into those promises, guys. This journey with Alec taught me that there is a powerful way to live. And you take those promises like a check and you present them to the Lord and say, you said this. He longs to have his children do that. He's going to show up. He's going to be faithful. He always has. He always will. And he is going to be glorified in your story if you just hang in there with him. I think that we are going to see amazing things. I'm going to tell you, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. These are amazing times. This is a time when we are surrounded by what looks like the prophets of Baal. It looks bad. We're coming through this really hard thing and it looks bad. And the voices around that are saying it's over, things are over. Those voices are there. You know what I mean? They're always there. Somebody's always going to tell you that. There's always somebody. Sometimes it comes from your friends or or people that you love the most. (laughs) That happened to me recently. When people that you think have your best interests in heart, but then they say something that really, really just punches you in the gut. It's not them. It's just, it's not them. Don't be angry. It's the enemy working, getting at you where he knows he can. He used Peter to tell Jesus that he wasn't going to the cross. So it happens. Don't blame them. Blame the enemy. Put your trust in God because your story's not over, right? So you are going to see some amazing things. I know it. We are going to see some amazing things. Wherever you are in the journey, have hope. Those promises 
in all of my life. I've been a Christian a long time. They have never failed me. Never. It might get hard because the enemy wants you to let go of them. Don't because they're solid. You're on solid rock on those promises of God. So again, I'm Kelly Langston. I'm so glad you're here. If you have anybody that might be encouraged by this, please send it to them. I'd appreciate that. And if you subscribe, I have a lot of places that you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, in the episode notes, and subscribe. I'm going to keep putting these out as long as the Lord tells me to do it, because I think we're on the verge of some really, really exciting things that God is going to show up. I know it. So take care, guys. Did you know that you can impact the world in ways you can't begin to imagine? Don't waste one more minute feeling helpless about the chaos in the world today. You were never meant to be powerless in perilous times, tossed about in a chaotic storm of corruption, politics, terrorism, and uncertainty. It's time to stand up God's way. The next 40 days are going to change your life as you discover one of the most powerful and often overlooked ways to pray. Experience the power of praying God's Word in a book I wrote, 40 Prayers for Perilous Times, Powerful Intercessory Prayers for an Upside-Down World. And you're going to expect God to respond, because He will. Join me in bold intercessory prayer based on God's biblical promises. God is unfailingly faithful to his word, and he honors every promise. He will answer. After 40 days, you'll see that prayer is one of the most thrilling aspects of Christian living. The book includes 40 days of prayers based on scripture, and then an area for you to write your personal prayers too. So you do it as you read it. So I'm Kelly Langston. You can find it on Amazon and check the episode notes for other links.